Podcast. I'm your host, Karee Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And this is episode 58. Let's do this. We back. All right. Let's go ahead and um. actually, I, I wanted to give some RIPs that weren't directly related to some foul ass shit. Um, rest in peace, John Lewis and yeah, uh, sure. C.T. Vivian, two civil rights legends. They they definitely did their work while they're here. You know what I mean? If you believe in an afterlife, then they definitely earned a good one. And uh, I want to give condolences to their family. I know they'll be missed, but there's no remorse for those men. They they definitely came here, did what they believed to be right, stood on a lot of powerful shit, and made a difference with it. So I, I appreciate the life of, uh, of both of them. And that's C.T. Vivian and John Lewis. Rest in power, brothers. All right. So yeah, let's go back to the watching. I kind of like the fact that I've been um, just kind of kind uh, kind of slowly watching these three uh, these three shows because it's given a, a nice consistent viewing uh, section as of late. But yeah, so uh, I'm, I, I've been watching the same three things. Have you watched anything new? Yeah, um, okay. I watched a, a couple of things. I saw uh, Vice, which I, I really liked. I saw La Llorona, which I did not like as much. I saw this. Um, it's pretty dope. It was a it was a Japanese zombie movie, which was actually about like high school girls. That I did not expect to like it, but I liked that one a lot. That was actually pretty good. Okay. And um, uh, I've been actually catching up on Hunter x Hunter. Actually, oh, there's new Hunter well, x Hunter. So. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, okay. Just the 2011 series. I've just been going back and rewatching it. As you, okay. you may or may not know in the community, it's called Hiatus x Hiatus for a reason. So <laughs> they don't really make new episodes of that very often. But yeah, this um, yeah, that was some pretty good shit. That shit was fun. Uh, I definitely recommend uh, watch Vice for anyone. It's who doesn't. If for anyone who thinks this shit is a game, <laughs> you should definitely watch Vice. That shit was and terrifying. So which one movie. is that? That's uh, that's the one about Dick Cheney. Uh, yeah, that's Bale's the one. That's trick, uh, uh, Tricky Dicky. That's no, the sorry. one. Yeah, uh, Dick Cheney. Not Tricky Dicky. <laughs> I know Tricky Dicky. Somebody altogether different. Um, that's the other but Richard he fits the moniker that's the, that's the only yeah, thing <laughs> absolutely he's, yeah. he's a lot more slimy than most but um yeah the, the cast is fucking stellar fucking Sam Rockwell was playing Bush that caught me off guard but that oh, was wow. really dope um what really 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 caught me off guard was fucking um Tyler Perry playing Colin Powell <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. I'm pretty sure that it worked though I'm pretty sure it worked it did, it did. I'm pretty sure it, it worked it was it was a pretty seamless transition. I don't know the actress's name who played Condoleezza Rice, but she looked very good too. Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That's one of Dave Chappelle's kid, right? Shit. Uh, I don't remember. A couple, I think that one is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one is Dave Chappelle specifically. But yeah, that was pretty good. But La Llorona, that shit disappointed me, man. Uh, La Llorona. La Llorona. It's um, it's a, a horror movie about a, a, a Spanish curse. It's about this lady from ancient times when this fucking ranchero came to town. She's the most beautiful lady in her village. This ranchero came to town and like swept her off her feet, and they ended up having two kids together. And shortly thereafter, she found him in the arms of an, a younger woman. So to spite him, she drowned her kids. And then when she realized what she did, idea. she drowned herself. So she became like a wandering spirit, and that was sort of like the um. The, the tale they would tell their kids, if you don't listen to your parents, fucking like, your owner's gonna come and take you away and drown you and shit. 
So it turns out she was real. But um, actually, La Llorona, she was dope. I liked the, the monstrous interactions in this movie. I liked the curandero, which is like the little shaman guy that was basically there to help the family fight off the spirit. He was super cool. But everything else was pretty whack. Like, the family was like... <sighs> Bruh. It's, it's a bad kid story, so of course... Yeah, it's like... <laughs> like, what but, you told me that the, the, the La Llorona goes after kids who don't listen to their... I was like, oh, okay. It's but that's not story. actually how they got the... Um, that's just a folktale that they tell their kids. Oh, that's okay. not actually how she is in this one. Um, they don't They don't address how the first lady got it, but basically she... The, the main character gets it because that first lady was like, oh, she took my kids while I'm sending her after yours type shit. So... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, shit. I prayed to La Llorona so she could take your kids and bring back mine. I was like, that's not how that works. I was lady. like, yo, my G, nobody yeah. ever presented you with that deal. Like, what? That's not how that works. Crazy bitch. But, um, yeah, but, like, the thing that really got me is, like, the movie is pushed forward by a series of, like, conveniences. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And there is this one point where, like, after La Llorona is trying to take the lady's kids and it's a huge confrontation, the Coranderos there, he finally managed to get her out of the house and seal up the front door with a bunch of, like, tree ash sprinkled across the front door. And he was like, as long as you don't break the front the line, she can't come in. Boom. Guess what the daughter does, right? Breaks the line, of course. First the daughter thing. is fucking, guess why, though? Her fucking like emotional support doll is on the other is on the outside of wow. the door. So not only does she open the door, she stretches over it and fuck ends up. Well, actually, that's not actually. It, it turns out the crazy mom had shown up and decided and came in and broke the line. It was like, come and get them. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she was lit. Now that I think about it, she's my like favorite part of the second favorite part of that movie. She was, she was, she was fucking crazy. Um, because she was initially protecting her sons from La Llorona in the beginning of the movie. And the main character is a caseworker who came to come check on her. And they thought that all the things that was happening to her kids was her doing it, but it was actually La Llorona who was haunting them. And when the caseworker went to go see um, the lady in the beginning of the movie, her kids were locked in a door with like special markings on it. And so naturally she thought, oh, this crazy bitch is locking her kids up in a closet. Let me get these kids up out of here. And so the mom's like, and then of course it's a horror movie, so they gotta play the pronoun game. They're like, no, let's go to what? What happened to your hand? Who did this? It was your mom. No, it was her, it was she did this to us. You know what I'm saying? Nobody ever speaks fucking clearly until it's way too late. They always gotta be like, no, why trauma victims learn to be cryptic so quickly, yo? It was her. Like get the fuck out of here. But other than that well, I don't well you know it's a it's a byproduct of not slapping the shit out of your kids when they talk cryptically <laughs> to you cause that's what like my dad would like yo dog it was, I was never allowed to speak like that to shit. people like nigga talk directly to me like say what, me? You, say what you feel or else we're never gonna understand each other it's exactly, imperative right. that you learn to clearly express yourself so it's just weird to me when people raise their kids and they don't explain to them how to clearly express yourself and how important <laughs> that is in life like it can save your life like literally these are entire <laughs> things based off of something life. that is so like fundamental to parenting 
But uh, um, other than that, uh, it was I'd give it like a six out of ten. You know what I'm saying? It had some pretty entertaining it's pretty high parts. High score in my book. But <laughs> for something that didn't come out with an immediate positive reaction, it's a pretty high score. Nah, in retrospect, now that I think about it, there were some parts of it that were very enjoyable. Like beyond the the blatant just like convenience pushing the plot forward. Um, there were, there were, there was, it was, it was enjoyable. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was enjoyable. It was just that it really, really irritated me. I was like, sort of, you don't know nobody else. Like immediately, like the pops died and he used to be a cop, right? So presumably he dies in the line of duty and there's still, her kids are still grappling with that. The whole family's still dealing with that. But she ain't got nobody like she ain't got no mom no dad her fucking recently deceased husbands ain't got no mom no dad like it's it just is crazy them how, like, too. but you know i don't know maybe that's a commentary more in society that there's like we're blessed in to have made a few positive <laughs> interactions in our time here <laughs> but some people i guess burn those bridges like <laughs> in crazy. crazy ways and end up like completely isolated in society and that's why there's so much i don't know i'm just stretching here because <laughs> i don't understand that shit either because i'm like yo you don't got nobody who fucks with you, you? feel me like don't nobody fuck they with called you? her to come identify the I sons and in the middle of the night she brought her two kids at the back of her station wagon out into the middle of nowhere to come identify the body of two dead kids i was just like you couldn't and that's when they la llorona first uh, got them to curse them was at that point and i'm like so Come you, on, you man. didn't know you nobody in, you gotta be able to keep your kids in better safety it's like you that. didn't you didn't know nobody who could look after the motherfuckers for like two hours no one? Like, like not even two hours like are your kids that fucking terribly behaved that you don't know nobody who's willing Feel to let them sleep for two hours in their house exactly like, i was like damn, that was dude, a, it's not even like the middle of the day where they're gonna be active you know what i mean like damn it's it's shit like that that I'm talking about like the movie moves based on convenience but like that comes up I think there's two times in the movie where it's like blatantly obvious where I'm like why did you need to bring your kids here or there was one time where she left her kids alone to go do something else for like I don't I don't remember how long but she just like she just like fucked off and went to go handle her handle her business that's and, wild and like Rhoda attacked her kids while she wasn't there. When she brought them to the hospital, know, they man. thought it was I her again. People, like, I don't know. It's clearly a fictional character, so I shouldn't go de- delving too deeply into the psychology <laughs> behind it. But yeah, that's crazy. But the 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 Japanese movie that one was pretty pretty good. Which one was that? It was. It's called uh, School A Live, and it was basically about. Um, uh, basically, it's a fucking high school in Japan, and they don't explain how. It's not important, but a zombie apocalypse breakout. And it's only four of them that survive. Damn. They make it seem like five, but I, I smelt it from the beginning that the teacher was fucking dead. And I was just like, hold on. Y'all niggas only got four beds, but this motherfucker's over here is talking to a teacher that only ever interacts with one person at a time. Fuck out of my life. That bitch is dead. And of Been course, dead. at the end of the movie, they explain that, yeah, she was dead and tied up in a, in a thing the whole time. But the cool thing about that movie was... It was more so about how these four girls managed to keep it together during the zombie apocalypse. What what was really funny about this movie is like it started and it seems like some sliced life bullshit. And I was like, did I click this right? I thought this was a zombie movie. Clicked forward ahead. Sneak it in there. Clicked forward ahead 30 minutes. Still sliced life bullshit. Clicked forward ahead 30 minutes. Motherfuckers on fire coming through a door. I was like, yes, that's what I wanted to see. Go back. Let's see how that unfolds. But that would I, I would give that one like a solid like seven and a half, eight out of ten. I don't it was know a if, it's a, it's, if it's like um, their concession to trying to broaden the market. 
and bring you know what i mean people from disparate markets together you know what i mean because mm-hmm. like in an american um movie they would just they would totally co-mingle the two ideas yeah but i can imagine in japanese cinema they're like no you just you can't just do that <laughs> you can make half the movie slice of life half the movie that's a very japanese yeah. way of trying to broaden your audience the way they did it was it seemed that, like there was um, a solid hour of slice of life and then another solid hour of zombie y- movie kind of yeah it was pretty half and half because the way they did it was one of the girls she had um behavior and adjustment issues so she was sort of like living in her head anyway so (laughs) after the school went under they were just like she kept pretending like everything was all right so one of them came up with the idea was like yo let's have uh the school living club where we um where we basically pretend like we live at school and that's where I got tricked into thinking that it was a regular slice of life. Because I was like, yo, why are you trying? pretending that this is a... I was like, why is this just regular school? But no, it, it's not regular school. They're pretending for this chick's sake. And then they show you how it really looks. And there's like fucking bloody classrooms. And they had to like barricade off different parts of the school. And it was... It, yeah, it was pretty legit. I like the way they did it. And the way it, it ends up... The way the climax ends up happening is... um. One of the zombies had found like uh, a lighter, the little um, like barbecue lighter, the click ones, and accidentally set the cafeteria on fire, which basically started the rolling chain of events. Yeah, but, was, uh, yeah, yeah. That this, sounds so valid. that's why I was like, yo, why Literally is it? And figuratively. I just like clicked on one random scene and there was just a group of flaming zombies like bur- bursting through a doorway. I was like, yo, OK, that's, that's what I wanted to that's see. That's what I'm here for. You feel me? That's why I came here. But All yeah, right, it's so pretty a, good. A live, what is it called? A live what? School A live. Mm, okay. It's a, we, you know, they always got to throw in those weird, they, they always got to put it in the English and make it sound, I guess that sounds cool in Japanese if you're a Japanese Probably. person. Probably. But yeah. It was lit. I fucks with it. Okay. So yeah, man, I've been uh, caught up in the the the, the trio, but um, Baki Baki is is wrapping up in typical Baki fashion. I just how finished far did up. you get? Yojiro just finished fighting um Seamaster Kaku. Okay, and uh, just disrespectful. Like he is, you know what I mean? Like he started off the fight pretending like he was scared of his tech, his techniques, only to be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I just learned your whole shit." Right. I just need to see you do it like three times, and I got it. Yep. And so um, I just finished with that, but it it was it was interesting the the turn that they took where where Yojiro and Baki are getting along. You know what I mean? Like they're on the same team technically, so yeah. they're kind of high fiving each other after matches. Like nah, <laughs> they, even though Baki. Baki's back, nigga. What? Of course, it was Baki. He got all swollen shit. That was hilarious. Yo, he dode that dude up, man. Yo, my God. His next fight? um, A three-second fight? I I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, it was like two two seconds (laughs) and change. And he gave that nigga three precise hits and fucking demolished him. The guy's only purpose was to show how awesome Baki got after he revived. (laughs) Uh, It was absurd, bro. And that, that was Kaku's son. Yeah, it that was. was yeah, he was talking mad spicy bro, before oh. the match too. He was talking, yeah, he was talking mad spicy bro. before the match, bro. He, he had Yo, all I'm about the, to take this whole thing back, bro. I'm about to take this whole thing back for China. Fuck that. They've been making us look back. I got you, pops. Don't worry. We right here. Yeah, that's us. We right here. Three seconds later, <laughs> unconscious, waking up. Why are you waking up, bro? 
Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. He popped up and was like, yo, did I wait or some stupid shit like that? Bro, he's just waking up. Yo, that oh, was the worst part. Shit. Is that, like, the whole fight played out before he could perceive that he had been defeated. Knocked out. Oh, yeah. That's that's the worst. Man. Nasty style. That's the worst. But yeah. at least he didn't get his face snatched, though. That was always that will always Bro, be the epitome ah, of the rudest brutal, mood move ever to me. Like, right how there. do you, yo? How do you liberate all of the skin <laughs> at one time from someone's face? Clearly, all of the fucking it was facial deliberate. hair, bro. Yeah, it was. Like he took all the facial hair and everything off. It that was skillful whole face. and deliberate. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, how, how much do you practice that move? How many? How many people's faces really have question. you ripped off partially that, before you can fully rip off someone's face? Yo, I had to go through 92 faces before I could get the whole thing off Snatch in a one whole go. Face off. Feel me, bro? That shit's crazy. It was really, really messy from one to 44. But right around 45, I started to get the group. <laughs> I started off. getting the majority of the faces. Yeah. Exactly. And then I knew it could happen. Then I learned the secret. <laughs> but yeah, now um so I'm interested to see where that wraps, but it, it's it's ending in typical Baki fashion. Most of the interesting parts uh have have uh pretty much flowed. Um I don't know because I don't know how um if it's gonna end with Baki fighting Ojiro because Ojiro pretty much defeat well Bro, the way Kaku claims defeat, quote, I mean, claims victory, <laughs> this nigga just fucking pretends to be dead, so they end the match, and then he fucking revives himself. Bro, come on. It's the OG self-revival, bro. bro. You gotta have it. Ultimate victory, when nobody can win. Get out of here, bro. I, I saw that, um, I was watching, um, like I mentioned, I was watching Hunter x Hunter, and there's a couple characters in Hunter x Hunter that have uh, self-revivals, too. It's like this one dude, he, um, his ability is programmed to revive his heart after he dies. Feel me? Oh, jeez. Doesn't even matter if you win or lose, cuz. I'm coming back for feel you. Feel me? He's a vengeance demon. Death is temporary and exaggerated. <laughs> Real shit, bro. But yeah, so Baki, it, most of the, it seems like most of the meat of the, of the, and that's how actually a lot of the Baki seasons are. Most of the, the, the meat of the season happens right in the middle. You know what I mean? It peaks. It doesn't like peak and plateau. It peaks in denouement. It, it starts to <laughs> to, to fold uh, to wind down. But yeah, Warrior Nun. I did catch another episode of that, or nice, I think another nice. two episodes of that, and it finally got to that sweet, sweet action. Okay. Did you see? No, I haven't gotten any further yet. But so you have not seen it. them infiltrate the the building. The, mm-hmm. Okay. Oh man, so it does get to that sweet action. Like this, <laughs> it gets it gets to the to the type of action that I was hoping that it would get to because um, nice. I wasn't sure if it was just gonna continue to be like allusions to action. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you come in from a lot of drama shots, but no actually action scenes. Mm-hmm. Which it, honestly, you could tell a story like that. It just, you gotta be <laughs> telling a real good story for me to fuck with you, man. Because I need I need me some of that good good. Yeah, uh, for sure. I came here for the special effects like, budget. Like. Stealth nun combat action. Oh, I need yeah. some of that, and I got some of that. So it definitely delivers on the action. I will. I will give you that. Um, I don't want to spoil too much so that you could uh, watch it, but definitely catch yeah, up on I'm it. Um, check out those. Had a fresh stealth mission. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the storyline is rap. It is. It's um. It's progressing. Okay. Uh, they they covered a lot in the last episode, like a lot of ground in terms of like her backstory. <laughs> kind of like getting to the point where the show has its established cast 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Getting rid of a lot of the side characters. I wonder, yo, is this tall, skinny chick transgender in that socialite group? I think it's a dude, bro. And and, and not to, to, to disrespect uh, her chosen gender, but I, I think it's a, it's a transgender person. I think I may have gotten that vibe at one point, too. But yeah, the last because, episode when when um when they went out to the beach, yeah. But it, no, hey, I just, it was just interesting to see it integrated. So I believe it was integrated pretty tastefully because it wasn't like there wasn't any egregious flaunting of the gender. It was just and they were there and they were part of the the crew and um yeah, it was it was cool. I just it, it's I pointed out to say that I'm glad to see that there is some positive integration there. Um. But yeah, definitely catch up on Warrior and that was fun. And of course, there's The Wire. How far did you get delivering. that? Um, I'm in season three, probably two thirds of the season through, where um, now they're focusing on the city council. Ah, I remember And Garcetti's run for mayor. Yeah, dude. Oh, it's... Who's that, Councilman Davis, if I remember yeah, correctly? Yeah, Clay Davis. Um... Working with Irv, the 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 acting police commissioner, um, it's just gosh, the racism is so epic, bro. <laughs> the racism is so the way they talk about black and white people is like it's a badge that you put on, and it's just another team that you're part of type of thing, and it's mm-hmm. disgusting, bro. Like, I and I love the fact that this is based off of investigative journalism, so it's like. I can speak viscerally about these fictional characters because their personalities are based off of things that were reported. Like, gosh, man, just the way that these guys deal with each other on the basis of race just shows how far this country has to go. And I mean, yes, this took place in 2004. So it's about 15 years, but it doesn't seem like we've gone very far. Yeah, it's still very relevant. Yeah, it's still very relevant. And so that shit, like... The ineffectiveness of the entire city council to do anything positive because of every because of the individual ambitions of the people who are actually participating in these bodies of these political bodies is just sad because there's so much that needs to get done. And it's like it's funny and and it's not I shouldn't say it's funny. It's I I find it very uh, appreciant that it ties that in to the storyline with like Cuddy. Cuddy wants to open his gym. But there's so much bureaucratic red tape, and if not for his um, his his relationship with the Reverend, would he be able to traverse that tape, especially as a street dude with no prior experience and no one to explain it to him? And it's just like, man, the bureaucracy is is so detrimental to all facets, whether it's the direct uh, uh, um, integration of the public into the political seen through traversing those bureaucratic channels or whether it's the actual uh, administrative body being caught up more in the bureaucracy than it is in, let's say, legislating or assigning uh, resources to issues. Like, it, it the corrupted uh, political bureaucracy just destroys the lives of average citizens for sure like we we see we see the political rot on the national level with the congress and all of that but boy man does the wire do a great job of exposing how it does it even on the municipal level mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, I mean, and it's definitely cities like today. flint <clears throat> oh, still yeah. can't get no water still can't get no clean water bro mm-hmm. like that shit's absurd despite everybody knowing it's an issue still somehow managed to keep that 
process from happening. And and, 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 it, and it kills me, man. Like, there's, there's, and, and it's not for a lack of awareness, I don't think. Like, there are some pretty big names that are advocating for this and not even, like, man, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> how the political deadlock is resistant to even, like, mass movement. That's how, that's how degenerate the political gridlock in this country is man but yeah no this 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 season does a great job of pointing that out you know what else is something that i thought was super appreciated oh, that's right garcetti's little finger isn't it yes that's why and, I didn't... and bro there's so much of garcetti's little finger <laughs> so much i just remember that <clears throat> he, he was definitely channeling that character yep. for a substantial portion of his uh performance bring the snake out bro because Garcetti was so good at masking his own political ambition with the public good. He always found ways to manipulate the public good for his own political ambition. And it was scary. And that's the same thing Peter Baelish does. Reminds me of Game of Thrones, for those who are the uninitiated. Reminds me of the stupid uh, uh, senator from with the Watchmen from the South. Yes. Reminds me of the same man, sort Watchmen of energy. Was so good too, man. I gotta rewatch that shit. That was a solid series, and I'm glad they only did one season. Fuck yeah, it. me too. That that was it, it. It was so well done. Just leave it. Leave it should be. Move on to something more creative. Why not? I like that. You made a nice close story. story. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you want to stay in the universe, stay in the universe and just tell a different story. Why not? You got the abilities clearly, but yeah. Anyway, um, back to the the discussion at hand in Wire. Um, one of the things that I thought was super prescient that was demonstrated was the whole idea that the creation of the of the uh, free zones in Baltimore to kind of corral the crime into those areas was ingenious and at the same time very flawed. And it was pointed out by the reverend. And if, man... If that was actually a genuine concerted public effort that had the backing of the actual bureaucratic establishment behind it, boy, man, that could have actually been an amazing human experiment. Mm -hmm. And um, not to say that I believe in the experimentation on, on black bodies that's been rampant throughout American history, but to say that this is, is, this is an extant problem. It is a problem that has existed and will persist to exist. You know what I mean? And so... In the presence of that, creating new social paradigms to try to 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 deal with that in a healthy manner is 100% more preferable than the over-policing that we're doing right now. <laughs> like, literally, it is, policing is at 0% effective, and this is like 100% more preferable. And in terms of actual turnaround without actual harm to the public, is 100% effective. 100% of the time, giving services to people who are in need is effective. You, don't, you never have, like, an underperforming needle exchange in a drug-infested area. You never have an underperforming, um, um, like, uh, uh, mobile clinic in a, a area like that. And I say that because that was... That was the, the 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 turning point for that Amsterdam area that made it an actual positive um, social experiment. Because in the beginning, all they were doing was was hyper concentrating all the bad shit. Like all the fiends were there, and they were just taking over the vacant houses, and they were living there. And like it it, it was 
I also thought it was cool the way that well I wouldn't, think, I wouldn't say cool but I thought it was very <laughs> industrious the way that Bub realized that there was needs there and even though he didn't want to stay there it, he can make it profitable and gain a name for himself by rolling through there with resources smart man man Bubs was never a dummy yeah, yeah he was just an addict and so it definitely jaded his his view of the world but Bubs was no uh, Bubs was no dummy and so no man that was he, really, he was growing he was always growing yeah man and so. It, it it evolved into a community, but not a healthy community. And once they started doing like the condom exchange and the the blood bank and 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 testing area, and they started giving the um you know the, the needle exchange and just tried to make it as safe an environment as possible, it really became something that really needs to be looked in as like maybe a persisting um um experiment because once these people get healthy they'll be less inclined to that's the dangerous part about addiction is that it you become unhealthy in the addiction and so it prevents you from making the good choices that could bring you out of the very addiction that's causing you to to be malnutrition and incapable of making the badge you know what i mean like yeah, it's very parasitic yeah it's a downward spiral type of thing and so it, it they were actually they were actually heading off the spiral. You know what I mean? They were they were providing some some. They were alleviating some of the the physical ailments that were that were increasing the odds of people making poor decisions in their lives. And so this could have been a very great great thing for Baltimore, but of course it did not have the backing of the established bureaucracy. And so once um, one uh, Lieutenant Bunny was his nickname, uh, moved on which was imminent because he was set to retire, you know, it, it, it fell apart. And all of the crime and all, I mean, mostly most of the violent crime is what returned back. Even though he, unaware to him, part of the reason why the violent crime had dropped was because Marlowe had decided to fool Avon into getting into a false sense of security by wholesaling his package rather than street selling his package. So then once Avon thinks he's got the streets again, because Marla wanted the smoke. But if he kept on dominating Avon the way he was, he was never going to get directly at him. <laughs> Avon was just going to turtle up, and he knew he couldn't <laughs> fuck with Avon if he turtled up. So he was luring him out by leaving the streets open, and that also that also was a part of why the the violent crime rate had dropped so 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 drastically in that time when he was doing the experiment at Amsterdam. But um little did they know that was about to change real fast. <laughs> um but yeah, so but I thought that it was a really interesting exposition of community building in an already damaged community. That community was already already had huge scars and huge issues, and how do you deal with that? And it was really interesting to see how they portrayed so many of the officers. Like the officers were mad that they couldn't attack them for 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 doing drugs. They were they the officers seemed they they wanted to all they wanted to do was was curtail their ability to do what was only hurting themselves and because that was the part of the arrangement of of the free zones was that just don't bring any guns in here you can bring the drugs just don't bring the guns so nobody will need muscle and we'll do protection you know what i mean we'll, we'll keep all of the violence at a minimum 
And so you can, and the officers were so angry that they were being permitted to do something that wasn't hurting anyone but themselves. Nobody was forced to go to, to the free zone. Anyone who was in the free zone, show, well, with the exception of the dealers, because they went to great lengths to corral the dealers into those areas. <laughs> Boy, there were several episodes of like, how the fuck do we get these kids to go into this free zone because it looks like a trap? Like, because of course, it looks like a trap. It's either a trap for, for jack boys or it's a trap for police, but it's a trap. Somebody's going to go in there and take advantage of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they sent all the young hoppers and all the kids there. Which further bothered a lot of the, the the officers was like, damn, these are mostly like the average age was like between eight and 12 of the kids. That sucks. Yeah. Like it was pretty bad. And it was just like the older kids were pretty much policing, you know, the behaviors like they were the, the ones directing the activities. It, it was a real like it was a rough thing to see. But at the same token, it's like. This is literally 100 times better than what they were doing before. Like, the the idea that they should be doing this in front of a citizen's doorstep is out of control. Like, you know what I mean? Like, For sure. the fact that they're doing this in some place where at least you know there technically should be no guns and it is not someone's doorstep has already, like, made this a much better situation than, than it was before. And so, yes, we would love to be in a world where that's not what kids are doing, that kids are going to maybe an organized place of learning, you know, someplace that's an actual safe environment. But in and as I said, in a damaged community where these kids already unsupervised by their parents, that this is a huge improvement. And those officers couldn't look past what was happening to see that yo you're already making this better because now these are people who just need opportunities these kids aren't in a dangerous environment where they're where they're being well it is a dangerous environment but they're not under the constant threat of of direct violence that they typically would be so now if you guys can somehow work away which is what the reverend was doing which is the part that was missing that the reverend came in and provided you know what I mean? Like an avenue now to give them something else to do because enough soon they don't need all these kids to run these operations. You know what I mean? So you're going to find bored ones and you're going to peel them off and you're going to start helping them. You know what I mean? Until this area gets gets better. But the way that they were doing it through policing just wasn't working. Clearly wasn't working. But yeah, I, I thought it was a really great uh, kind of just imagining of, of what community healing could look like because that's not community building that's community healing yeah that's a good start yeah you know what i mean like it's not a permanent solution but it's one that could get people even if you get 10 percent of the people boom 10 percent of that population is substantial you know what i mean and then you could keep working on that keep working on that because now you're creating examples of people leaving there and then being successful in, in 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 reality oh but yeah Wire, man. Always fun. Bro, uh, I had totally forgotten that Press Peluski had shot that undercover cop. I remember that. Yeah, he <laughs> murdered that. Well, I wouldn't say he murdered, but he killed that that officer. Chase, and it was totally a Press Peluski thing to do. Like, bro, why are you firing so fucking fast? <laughs> like, Because I guarantee you, 
when he sees you get out of your cop car, the first thing he's going to do is present his badge, not his fucking gun. Because he's an officer. You know, he's not an idiot. Hey, bro, fire is on my action bar. If they didn't want me to use it, they wouldn't have put it on my action bar. They, did they put it? Did they, are they the ones who made it the only button on your action bar? <laughs> like, you, have, you don't have shout command. You don't have emotes on your fucking action no. bar. I can't emote. I only have fucking shoot and reload. That's my one and two. That's it. Damn. That's I, a savage, I took man. off everything else off my action bar except for call for backup. So yeah, that's pretty much where I where I start, uh, I ended uh, my watching of that season. But boy, that, I totally forgot about that happening, and that's how we ended up on in the following season, School Duty. Yep. Because that shows you, man. If you're oh, yeah. if you got a, if you got somebody high I enough do up, you that. can shoot somebody, and yeah, you yeah. still don't have to serve any kind of uh, consequences. Family, they'll apologize to you when you shoot them. If it depends on how high up you are, bro, I can't believe that Dick Cheney got that guy to apologize to him for shooting him in the face. Yo, Dick Cheney shot somebody in the face and got the dude who he shot in the face to apologize for being uh, this there. lit. Yo, I'm sorry I was in front of your shotgun, bro. That was totally I like my to fault. apologize to Cheney and his family and for all the problems I've caused. And all the buckshot I took in my face. I mean, uh, come some on. Cold he shit. shot him in the face, too. That was the worst yes, part. He, did. he got shot in the face with birdshot. Yes, he did. But yeah, I don't know how we got off on that. But yes, <laughs> moving on from the watching, um, I I caught some new music from Joey Badass, but I also tried to re-listen to the. Well, I didn't try to. I re-listened to the Pop Smoke album. That album was fire, bro. The album was great, but boy, is it still hard to listen to. It's just it's really hard for me to get past like. You lived by it. You, you rapped about it, and you, and and you died by it. Like, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it, in my opinion. Like, it really wasn't. And 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 so I definitely. I don't know if I've rethought my position, but I I, I want to be less critical of these guys who just rap it. Like, you could just rap it, bro. Because <laughs> the music is good, but boy, is it not worth it for you to live it. Like. I'm pretty sure if he would have just taken the robbery, I don't think those kids went in there to shoot him. I don't think they did. I think they went in there to punk him, make him make, you know what I mean? But when you're, when you're putting out this, it's worth it to let them think that you, you're a punk. Like, let them think whatever they want. They had the guns, you know what I mean? They had the drop on you. It is what it is. Like, I would have much rather him come out the other side of this and be like, yes, I got robbed, but I'm still here. And I'm about to give y'all niggas all of the heat in the world. Then not be here to enjoy like this fire ass body of work that just came out. You know what I mean? Like, damn, the album was really good. It was a good album. Like it, it does. It, it bothers me that he's not here to, to, to get the, the flowers for this. Cause boy, man, we, I, I talk a good deal about the authenticity of the rappers out there and this and that and be if you want if you want to be about it stand on it but there's a level that you can reach where it's not worth standing on for sure I'll give them that mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll definitely give them that there's there's a level that you can reach where it's not worth standing on some of the shit some of the shit 
You know what I mean? And and of course you get to as a, as a person get to choose where that line is. But I'm willing to to be more um, lenient with criticisms about that shit. Because niggas, there's a lot of niggas that are that have a huge amount of potential that are going to end up dead if they don't actually learn that. That there's a, you know what I mean? Like when you're worth a certain amount, when you're putting out a certain level of, of work, you're worth more than than whatever clout you feel like you're maintaining by by standing on it. Yeah, there was a, a rapper that was killed like last week. Lil Marlo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to get to the Migos QC beef, man, because that, that's another, I, I feel really bad about that. But yeah, um, the Joey Badass three pack he put out, Mind Body Soul, um, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the tracks. Joey Badass is super consistent for me. Like I like his style of rap, and he stays in his lane, and he puts out quality lyrical rap. And so I'll never, I, I, unless he stops doing that, I don't think there's you're ever gonna get <laughs> Joey Badass at being less than a solid seven to eight to me for pretty much anything he puts out. But um, he had a track with Pusha, and it was funny because like um, and I and I only say this to to tangent like, I was thinking about like, the levels of authenticity, and it's like, are you DMX, are you Pusha T, or are you Drake? <laughs> are you DMX? Are you unabashedly living what the fuck you're saying, and you're rapping from your true life experience? Or are you Pusha T? Are you rapping someone who's close to you's life experience? Or are you Drake just rapping a complete fiction out of your ass? Like that's the the levels of authenticity. And he had a he had a track on there with Pusha T. And I was like, I, I can't help but listen to his raps and be like, okay, I, w- I wonder which one of your boys told you that story. That's interesting. <laughs> that's cool. That's, 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 like Pusha T is clearly a great rapper. I do believe he is writing those raps. You know what I mean? But he's rapping someone else's story. And so I would love to hear the stories that generated those raps. Those are, that'd be real interesting. Cause I'm sure, um, I forgot his manager's name. Um, Anthony Gonzalez, I believe his name was, uh, he was, he, he probably told, had some mean stories that he told to push a T to make them first couple records. It must've been some real good, good stories, but, um, see, I, I always appreciate rappers like DMX, who I know, like, I want to hear DMX tell the story. And he told the story. You know what I mean? Like, when I hear DMX's raps, I know he's telling a story that, that's coming from the heart. And speaking of which, did you hear the new, um, the upcoming Versus battle? Yes, I did. Yes, sir. DMX versus Snoop. I think this is oh, a man. great battle, personally. <clears throat> Red Dog versus Blue Dog. Bro. I fucking I personally am a huge DMX fan. Like I was I, I was alive both. and consuming music. I don't know if I was in the streets, but I was consuming music when DMX went on that platinum record run where people yeah. were literally buying Fussing millions of this thing's Bro back in the day. That shit was out of control. And then bro. there was X. The What's My Name fucking video, nigga. That Man. video was so ridiculous. What like, them bitches want from my nigga. Bro, this I I was there. That's for gonna win, a like whatever it goes up against when it comes in. That's a point. You think that's a point? Because that, there's been a huge debate about like what's a point because of who he's going against. Because like 
Snoop's, Snoop's got bangers got for days. A lot of bangers. Snoop's got bangers Snoop for days. Snoop probably has more contemporary bangers. Like mm-hmm. when they go through, because they can go and features for song show. for song for the first couple. You know, like chick hits, anthems. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, street hits, pop hits. But when it gets to contemporary music, yeah, DMX hasn't put out new DMX, music. In I don't a while. think DMX has been putting out a lot of music as of recent. Um, but um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm putting my money on X. I'm sorry, <laughs> I got to. I got to, bro. I listen to. I might listen to slipping. What about S and double on D O double D C? That's a jam. That's a jam. But I listen to slipping on repeat. I'm slipping. But I'm balling. bro, I can't like, get it up. when that shit comes on, I'm rapping every word to it with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's got. Yeah, like. But Snoop has got, has some really good good ones. Like he did a track with um. He did, but I see the thing is, is that I like Snoop tracks that I don't think are super popular. Like he did a, a track with um Nerd on their Clones album. Um, you should smoke with me. Mm-hmm. Bro, that's one of my favorite tracks. Like, <laughs> it's super simple on the bass line. Like, Snoop, but Snoop's flow over it is so immaculate. And you know that Neptunes really know how to fucking Definitely. make a beat to it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, to that they type of flow. They have very complimentary styles. Yeah, You Should Smoke With Me is like one of my favorites. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I could particularly be a good judge of Snoop's music because he's got a lot of shit that's probably way better than that. that you know what I mean? I wouldn't even know where to place. <laughs> and I have a personal attachment to a lot of DMX's music because it was, it was, it was, it's like seminal art to my hip hop awakening. You know what I mean? Like that is, if you want to look to where my tape for why my tastes are what they are today, you have to look to DMX in his heyday because that's when I was consuming not only hip hop music but his music. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, man, I'm definitely looking forward to that fucking versus. Battle. Have you heard the new uh, coffee song, Lockdown? Yeah, I heard it earlier, bro. I just heard it. Yeah, that shit's fire, bro. Yeah, I love coffee, yeah, though. Pretty dope. Coffee can't Fucks miss, bro. They got can't miss. Fucks Easy on my bridges. It's pretty lit. But yo, that shit is fresh, dude. Like, and I love how like the the video. The video is. She's in. She's in the island. It's not a whole bunch of big city stuff, but it's still got good production value. Everybody having a good time. Like, I just. Coffee. Whoever's producing coffee is doing a fucking amazing job. Definitely, the whole vibe that they're cultivating around her, I think, is going to be a great vibe for her to bring forward into the scene. Yo, it's going to be. It's going to give her a great platform when she decides. Because I do believe she's heavily produced right now. I don't know how much of of the persona is genuinely her or not, but this is a good springboard so that when she does decide who she wants to be and how she wants to develop herself she could do so with openness and freedom. You know what I mean? Like yeah. nobody, I don't think that anyone seeing her right now has an expectation of where she will be 10 years from now. Because I definitely see her lasting in the, in the industry. Yeah, the definitely. Music is she just does too, have the potential for longevity point. for and sure. And she got too many hitters in her corner. You know what I mean? Like she part of the chronic squad. So it's done though. It's, it's a done, it's a known quantity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, man, I'm, I definitely appreciated lockdown. Yeah. That was a good track. I was a little bit skeptical at first because everyone putting down these lockdown tracks. You know what I mean? But hers definitely hit. But yeah, moving on from that, um, I just wanted to address something because um, I know that last week I went through a little passionate tirade about the whole Nick Cannon incident and all of that stuff. And in that, I do believe that I neglected to actually provide 
I, I spoke clearly on my feelings, but what I didn't do is provide a nuanced argument as to what analysis could be, be derived from uh, this whole situation. And so that I always do strive to do. And so while I, I, I do believe, like, honestly, that he, didn't, he might not have responded well, I don't agree with Viacom's uh, response to, to his interview, uh, this is actually a very complex issue. And so more so than just how I feel about those things, there's a lot of things that could be hashed out in that argument. And so I do believe I was negligent in not addressing that as, as well as I could have, because there are, are several issues that uh, can be taken from what he said. So one of the issues that, that people had with what he said was an overgeneralization. He was taking a, a uh, something that might have been might have had historical reference and overgeneralizing a contemporary population with these ideas. And while that typically is not something that is beneficial, I can understand that. And so in the hopes to address that, yes, it is never a good idea to overgeneralize an entire population um, unless it's something that, you know what I mean? Like you can say that most black people have darker skin. That's not a, a harmful overgeneralization, but there are overgeneralizations that you can make that about cultures and so forth that could be problematic. And so I do acknowledge that those do exist. But I don't think that they make the idea that there are cultural norms in ethnically homogenous uh, communities that can be addressed as such. And I don't mean to overgeneralize a population of people because I seek to address maybe certain cultural norms in ethnically homogenous communities that might be prevalent. They're just meant to be analytic. They're questions. You can engage them as such or you cannot, but they're not meant to, to stigmatize a group. Um, as well as I don't want to, I don't mean to trivialize anything that might have happened to Jewish people in their own history throughout time. I can understand why, given what happened to them in the past, uh, in the 40s, why the trope of Jewish people maybe dominating certain sectors of the economy might trigger them because that is very much how they were stigmatized in their last historical traumatic event, which I'm not a Holocaust denier. Um, I don't deny that that happened to them. And so I can understand why as a community, they might be triggered by that, that I don't believe that gives them the right to then react the way that they do in terms of taking away people's livelihoods and so forth in reference to their own personal feelings about how someone has presented a piece of information. information. And so that is another nuance that I can understand why that community might have been triggered by what was said during um, that, that uh, particular interview. Now, another issue that comes up in that very argument, which is kind of twofold is, A, the silencing of black men and the over-prosecution of black men for things that they might say that are not in the public norm. And that is, and then there is the capitulation of, of popular black figures 
to entities that neither have earned or proven that they that they've done any wrongdoing. And so that is a, that is another facet of the the conversation, and that's particularly the one that triggered me the most is that, you know. Mel Brooks has said massively anti-Semitic things, like genuinely anti-Semitic things, and he still makes plenty of money. Cancel culture has done nothing to him. He's still a major player in the Hollywood scene. You know what I mean? And and not only that, he's also been racist in general. And but you know. Nick Cannon, as tactfully as he possibly can, all offers an alternate uh, understanding of history, and he is completely blackballed. And I, I find that to that's very triggering to me because you got to be able to bring ideas to the table to have them verified or or not verified. And if no one's even willing to engage with it meaningfully, then it 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 feels disingenuous when you try to say that someone's wrong. Like, if I'm going to make a statement and you believe it to be wrong, you got to engage the statement before you think that you're going to convince me that I'm wrong. Like, it, it just seems like it, that's the respectful thing to do when you're engaging with other people's real ideas and thoughts that they that they have, you know, uh, dedicated their time and effort into coming up with. And so, yeah, that's just one of the, the, the things that really kind of triggers me when I see how Nick Cannon was handled in this whole situation. And then, of course, I just I have a real problem with when people would, who, who definitely have substantial amounts choose to capitulate themselves like they don't. And so that triggered me. Now, you did bring up a great uh, point in that there are a lot of other people who might be counting on him, who who he was hoping to to maybe not hurt financially through his opinions and thoughts. And I get that. I hear that. And I can imagine to 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 substantiate all of those people would be a substantial portion of his own money if he tried to to stand on what he said. But at the same token, I think that a significant amount of people supported him. And you do have to have a you have to have a, a stronger mind for your community's feelings than the community who is objectifying you's feeling. You know what I mean? Like the Jewish community is the one that is objectifying you in your statements and 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 blackballing you for something that you said. Even if some of them chose to try to educate you, those people aren't advocating for you to get your job back. They're not fighting as hard for you to get your position back. You know what I mean? They have no problems with telling you why you're wrong, but they're not standing with you. The black community is the community that would stand with you. And so I feel like you gotta you gotta care more about their feelings the Jewish community's feelings, but that's just my personal stance. And so I, I was I was very harsh on him, and it was because I was very passionate about the situation at hand. And I realized like how many times I brought it up just in my own discussion with other people out of nowhere. You know what I mean? And so I, in in some retrospect, I, I I thought about it, and I, I could see as to why like I don't agree with him, but I, I don't want to I don't want to kill the man for it. It is what it is. You know, I, I'll know better than to put that much faith in and 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 effort into a, a single person's ideas. But I just wanted to redress that issue because I believe that while I was speaking genuinely and honestly, I was not speaking in a nuanced manner about something that and that's what you guys come here for. You don't come here to hear me cathartically rant and tirade about shit that I don't like. 
even though I end up doing that mostly with your time, which I appreciate you for listening to me. <laughs> but yeah, moving on from that, um, what else been going on? Man, I never, dude, I guess I don't use social media right because I totally miss a lot of shit that's going on. Like when I saw what was what was happening between Tori and um, Meg, I immediately assumed because everyone who I follow and surround myself with jumped to her aid. You know what I mean? And, and, and jumped to her support and said, Meg, fuck that nigga. I can't believe he would do that to you. That was absurd. I can't believe that he even has a whip, a gun in the whip without the security. You know what I mean? Why doesn't he have a profession? Everything I saw was people supporting Meg in that fashion. But evidently, there's a vaster part of the internet that was just making jokes out of this. And I honestly don't think there's anything funny about a domestic violence case where what a man exactly happened so evidently from what i understand because i don't know this for a fact but just trying to catch myself up with this story evidently tori and meg are dating which i guess some of the evidence that people were using for that was that they were quarantining together which i can imagine you don't quarantine with someone for a minimum of 14 days Unless you're right. fucking with them right. on on the real man and woman style, you know what I mean? Like that shit just would seem weird, and right. so I could Definitely. understand why people might come to that conclusion. And then they showed up at Kylie Jenner's party together and this and that. Anyway, post all of that, they're going home from a party in the same car, and evidently something transpires. It's Meg, her best friend, and Tori in the car. Tori has a pistol. It's in his possession. It gets fired twice. Meg gets shot in the foot. The police come, rush her to the hospital. Now, my whole thing is, is that I don't even know what fucking scenario can result in that happening. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I can guarantee Carolina that anytime she goes out with me, that is absolutely not even a possibility. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like a, a like, oops. I you promise I, mean? I like, would accidentally shoot you. If they would have been like, yo, Tori was fucking her best friend, and then she came into the car and saw them, and he goes like, oops. I could kind of understand how that could, like, you could explain to me a scenario where that was just like an overwhelming of drunken pat. You know what I mean? But yeah. I just don't understand what scenario of, effect, uh, of events lead up to Tori doing that. You know what I mean? And so that's all we know right now. Tori's in custody. Tory's Canadian, and so I know he doesn't have a gun permit in America, and so that nigga is going to get deported. But I don't know what, like, from what I understand, from my experience, like, I've literally had family members go through this. If you are a foreign national and and your crime is big enough, they will have you serve your prison term before they deport you. (laughs) Like, he might have to serve, if he shot her... In a domestic violence, and he shot a gun in California and struck mm-hmm. a human being. Mm-hmm. That nigga's about to go up for like 10 to 15. And he'll have to serve that before they send him back to Canada and never let him back in again. Like, that nigga, like, if that nigga really shot her, he just ruined his entire career. I don't think that you can support your career because I'm pretty sure that the niggas in the California state system are gonna fuck him up for shooting Meg. Like, Nah, bro. There's I don't know very many dudes who are gonna respect that, even on the trashy side of life. Like, you might find a couple of dudes, but they ain't gonna. There's not enough of them to protect you from the dudes who don't fuck with that, who are looking for a righteous reason to bust your little ass, <laughs> turn you into a punk. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you five three, bro. I don't know if you're made for San Quentin. I don't know if he is. I really don't. But yeah, so I don't. I don't know what 
what actually transpired, but evidently people were making fun of this. And I just wanted to say there's nothing funny about this situation. Like there might be a day in which there's something funny about the situation. It's just not today. You can't, there's no amount of bail you can shoot Tory in this situation that can make this a laughing matter until we figure out what the fuck actually happened. That's for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. Sounds like there must have been like a struggle for the gun or something. I, well, I don't know. I, from the description of the, of the scenario so far, it sounds like Meg was... Like, I don't know how Meg ended up in a relationship with this cornball-ass nigga in the first place, but evidently she was leaving him, and she went to exit the car after telling him that, and so in, in, a, in an attempt to get her to get back in the car, he was firing down at the floor to try to, like, show that he's all about that, that thug life. See, I'm tough. I shoot and, the floor of my own car. Now get and, back uh, in here. Yeah, he hit her foot. I don't know. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine what series of events led him to think that oh, what he no, was doing no, was a good easy. idea. Easy alcohol, film it, and probably drugs. I've been really drunk with a gun before, and never once thought that firing at someone's feet was going to be a, a a good idea. He's not you. Yeah, he's definitely not me. Definitely not. I ain't five three, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> like I got a solid foot on that nigga. Fuck that. But yeah. Clearly he was like, yo, I'm Tory Lane. But see, I guess that's what people were doing. They were making fun of his height, which I just made fun of him. But that's not to say that this is a laughing matter. I don't want to give levity to that. Because nah, Meg seemed genuine, like, I don't know. As genuinely hurt as you could say in your, as genuinely hurt as you can feel in your Instagram post, she seemed really, like, kind of distraught at the, the fact that people were taking this time to choose to make fun of Tory and, and his physical stature rather than take it seriously as an attempt on her life. But I, that's the thing is that I don't know if it genuinely was attempted. Like if a nigga's attempting your life and he hits you in the foot, then I don't think he was trying. It's bad to aim. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like that's it. You know what I mean? Like I'm at least gonna hit you in your shoulder. Nah, nah I'm not gonna <laughs> shoot anyone. But um, like if I'm attempting your life and I miss and I fail, it's not gonna hit you in your foot. Like come right. on. That's specifically how you avoid the murder charges. Yeah. Below the waist. <laughs> but um, man. They canceled kidding, bro. Like, is that the Jim Carrey joint? That's the Jim Carrey sh uh, TV show that um that I've been watching, and I only say that because I've been following it because I had um learned that Jazz Fly was um was a writer on that show as well, and it, it really saddens me to hear that they're canceling it. I don't know if it's because Jim Carrey no longer is is interested in it, but I figured that losing one writer was not the impetus. For that, you know what I mean? Like, um, she, I, I'm sure that she, she, she was a pivotal writer and she was responsible for a ton of comedic value. But at the same token, I don't know if her loss was what totally tanked the show to where they're not getting um renewed. But I hope that it gets picked up by someone else. Like that show, I thought was really like I enjoyed it a lot. Like the the creative value that went into this show was very high, very high. And so um, that was just sad for me to see. What else been going on? Um, man, I've been dancing around it, but boy, uh, fucking Migos and QC are having a falling out right now. Who's QC? QC is quality control their label. Okay. So Q, uh, Migos is suing QC because they say that the lawyer that QC gets to represent them. 
So the and 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 this is where I really enjoyed the Joe Budden podcast because listening to them really gave me some perspective on this because evidently even when you get a lawyer, if you have a label, the label's paying that lawyer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's literally impossible for you to get a lawyer in a label situation that's not at the behest of the label because even if you choose the lawyer. That lawyer knows you aren't paying them <laughs> unless you're willing to forego <laughs> your legal funny. budget from your from your from your thing, which would be kind of foolish because it's a lot. Yeah, to fight you know those I mean? kind Same of legal fees. Yeah. Lawyers inflate the fees, knowing that you're not the one paying it. It's a corporate entity paying you, so the corporate entity having a lot deeper coffers than you, they can charge them fifteen thousand dollars for retainer for a quarter. You know what I mean? $60,000 retainer for the year. Because they know you're not paying that. As an artist, like, I don't give a fuck who you are. $60,000 retainer is probably, like, you're going to think about that. You're going to think about that. You know what I mean? And so I get how they have manipulated that that, that very honest fucking uh, stipulation that seems to be into... um, put in place for the artist's best interest, how that could get manipulated and now made into the uh, the label's best interest. It's like, oh, the label, the label has deeper coffers than you, so they should be responsible for the legal bills. Yeah, but in actuality, when you execute that, that also means that the lawyer is their employee, not your So employee. you'd have to get an independent lawyer out and of your own you, pockets. Out of your own pockets to actually get a lawyer. and And now... There now. I'm now. From what I understand, there are some uh, legal firms out there that are dedicated to providing affordable legal representation to artists. But to counteract that, the labels have now made have have pretty much hired entire legal teams to make their contracts indecipherable. So if you have a good lawyer who has years in the game, they're changing the wording and using creative language to make it harder to understand the contracts. So it's just, it's a big game of cat and mouse. And so that whole thing, I can imagine that QC, if they chose to ever at any point start to use industry standards rather than their whole family mentality and say all right these artists are so big that we now need to engage them like a corporate entity and to do so we are going to use the same typical tactics as atlantic or any of those companies then that would be a substantial departure from how they they started doing business with the amigos when the amigos first started with them they probably dealt with them in on that family shit but once they got big enough to where the label started having to become responsible for things like legal fees, they dealt with them like a corporate entity. And in doing so, corporate lawyers started writing their contracts in such a way that pretty much paid them more, not the Migos more. And so the Migos are now suing, saying that those lawyers, once we started entering into those contracts, started taking advantage of us. And QC is more from the line of, well, we just hired corporate lawyers to start handling you guys because the money got big enough. Like, we couldn't handle you guys like a mom and pop label no more. Like, we couldn't handle y'all on the friendly anymore. Y'all were talking about million dollar shows. Y'all were getting, um, you were getting six figures for one show. (laughs) We couldn't deal with you on that mom and pop shit no more. We had to get corporate lawyers. And so 
once we start doing that, yeah, the splits get weird and different. So that seems to be the setup to me. That's what I'm getting from what I'm reading. You know what I mean? That's my uh, my derivation of, of, of what's happening. Um, and, and what I'm getting from the general social media sphere is that a lot of people are just like, maybe it's just that time. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you guys, unless you guys could come to grips with the fact that QC will no longer deal with Migos in that mom and pop fashion, unless they can come to grips with that, which they obviously are not willing to because that's why they're suing them, then maybe it's just time to say, hey, you know what, guys? It's just, we need to go get our own representation so that now when they try to do that to us, we'll be wise to it and we won't let them. But you're already doing this to us and we're not cool with it, so maybe it's just time to go. And and honestly, I, that would be that's 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 magical Christmas land talk. You know what I mean? Like, if both parties really wanted to remain friends in the future, so that they could probably like have artist crossovers and shit, then that would probably be the best way to do it. But it seems like the Migos like now nah, we want our money back, nigga. Yep. And One or both parties is going for maximum money. Fuck the friendship. Yeah, and I think it's just going to result in neither party getting what they want. Because Migos is going to have to sever their contract and release them. I don't think Migos are going to get any of the money because they were contractually obliged to pay it. And QC was within their legal right to charge it. Like, they... I, I'm pretty... Because of the fact that I see how much... Like, I don't know how much the Migos are worth. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But they don't seem to be hurting. Seems, seems to me like they got a substantial amount of money. And it's going to be hard to convince the judge... That the substantial amount of money that you got wasn't enough, especially if the judge is racist, which is a very high chance. They're not going to justify that we should have given these black men more money. They're just not. It depends on how good your lawyer is. I think QC's probably going to win out in that. Um, Just because all, all the Migos have is renegotiation rights. They can they they can say from henceforth forward based on X amount of evidence we believe that the contracts should be renegotiated, but I don't think that they have a right to stand on anything in the past. Because unless unless QC has been doing bad business and we just don't know about it, but I have a hard time believing that. But even though nah, because QC had Yachty signed for a long time and Yachty was in a trash deal. So nah, maybe QC is doing that. Nah, let me let me retract some of that because some of the evidence is, is that Q, QC has been not too. QC loves fucking with with hood niggas because hood niggas just don't know. And and honestly, I I, I think that in in exposition of this whole story, I'm kind of siding with the Migos now. That um nah, QC probably was bucking. They probably was. Of course, what? because they knew. <laughs> There's no such thing as a fucking label that doesn't... Well, maybe not no such thing, but it's very common Rare. for a label to screw over their, yeah. their fucking artists. Yeah, yeah. It, through talking that out, I actually kind of talked myself into the Migos side. And not to, and I don't know if it's because lately, like, everything I've been seeing the Migos feature on has been a banger for me. Like, I, the individual Migos features, I think, are my favorite part of the Migos as a group. Like, I love having them as a group, but never rapping at the same time on the same track i want to see them each individually on someone else's track fucking adding value because that seems to be their forte no son stir fry all day that's my shit i 
I never really got into that track. I like, love that song. There's not a lot of like Amigos tracks that I fuck with, but there's a lot of tracks that have Quavo, Offset, and Takeoff individually on them that I fuck with super hard. But yeah, I just thought that that was an interesting one to bring up. Um, what else been goings on? Um, Monique has been allowed to move forward with her discrimination lawsuit against Netflix, which means a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. That says a lot because the court can only in a in a suit like this against such a big entity, the the burden of proof is very high that you have to bring to the court to be able to get the the to get the court to ratify you to move something forward in such a high um, high court. So that's a huge win for Monique. I'm super happy for her. Um, there's absolute. It's the the discrimination against black women is existent all throughout all industries, whether it's Netflix, whether it's publishing, whether it's SAG, whether it's anything. Black women have to fight ten times harder to get their money, and so I love that Monique is is moving forward with a suit that that. That really says you Netflix can't determine my worth. You can't determine my worth with that bullshit, especially when you've worked yourself into a position that that makes you, you know, such a large portion of the industry. Like you can't come to me with no bullshit ass offer like that. That's just rude. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm glad that the court also is acknowledging that. Yeah, that was kind of discriminatory. Like, if you're going to make an offer to her, you have to offer her something respectable. And so, yeah, I really hope that she wins that suit. Like, kudos to, to Monique for her tenacity, for her for her savviness, for her, her knowing of her own worth. I, I love everything about that. So, yeah, I really um, hope that Monique's... Um, suit gets to move forward and not only move forward but it's a successful at garnering her um and, and from what i understand she's just looking for comp proper compensation for her work like she's like you know what i mean like just pay me for my special that's all i'm asking and that and that, she's not trying to get free money she's trying to get a proper offer for her work and so yeah just everything about that shit screams straight up and um, I guess I want to wrap up with this. I know this, you don't particularly care for this topic, but I'm going to keep on engaging it because fuck it. Um, it is literally the only thing that I wish to that 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 grabs my attention in politics these days. And that's Kanye West's campaign. He's filed with the, with the FEC. He's he's uh, he's actually run his first uh, campaign rally. And boy, was it a shit show, man. God. You know, he could not help himself. He couldn't help himself. He had to say some wild, reckless shit, man. And not for nothing, in South Carolina, nonetheless, had the nerve to say that Harriet Tubman ain't really free to slaves. All she did is lead him to new white masters. Like, God damn it, Kanye. Sounds like somebody we know. How <laughs> ironic. How ironic that that's what he would choose to fucking say. I mean, not for nothing, we, we know, like, hello, you know, if you, it was a stupid thing for him to say. He shouldn't have said it. But I understand where his idiocy is coming from. Like, we don't own anything today. We all still work for white slave masters for the most part. We, we work in a, a system full of slave, uh, 
slave wage labor. You know what I mean? Like, I understand what he's trying to get at, but it, it, now there was neither the time nor the place nor the Yo, venue. You're giving him a fuck ton of credit. I'm not giving him nowhere near that much credit. I just thought he said some stupid ass shit because he's fucking bipolar and he doesn't take medication. And, and then and and you know I used to think negatively of Kim Kardashian and them for putting him out there about his um his mental health, thinking that they're just they're just uh I don't know trying to get the sympathy theater going. But no, I think they honestly like they just want to let people know like listen, he's off his meds, so if you want to take him seriously, it's on you. But you probably shouldn't because he's not on his yeah. meds. Literally can't control him. There's yeah. nothing you can do to with someone with that much money and that kind of ego. There's absolutely nothing that you can do to get them to just be like, hey, stop and think about what you're doing and saying. Fuck that. I'm the greatest man alive. And, I'm and better that's than Picasso. You know, what? if he was coherent, man, I think that he could get a substantial portion of the electorate. If he was coherent, he'd be a completely different person. It would, I guess, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be Kanye West and you'd be talking about a different person altogether. Yep. He's like, you can't say Kanye West if Kanye West was coherent. That's not a thing. That's not part of his persona. You'd be nope. talking about an utterly different person. Those days are over. <sighs> now he's That's greater than, now he's bigger than Jesus. You know, because, I mean, not for nothing. Like, my thing is, is like, he's not... He's not peeling my vote from Biden because I'm not willing to vote for Biden. You know what I mean? Like, there's a substantial amount of people who aren't willing to vote for either of the candidates at hand. And so I think that that's the part of the electorate that he's going to, to mobilize. And it would be interesting to see. If, if But you can't honestly vote for Kanye unless you're just using that as a zero confidence vote for the whole system. You're like, you know what? I have no... No fucking confidence in the whole system, so I'm going to vote for the, the person who's most likely to burn it down. I'll be interested to see if he's willing to keep this shit up all the way till November. Yeah, he's got a couple of months of this, man. It's still a solid three and a half months that he would have to keep this shit up. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if he can. You think he could be consistent? No. One topic definitely for three not. and a half months? I don't think so. Definitely not. But yeah, you know, and it sucks because I. Honestly, if you were to take the policy points of Kanye's campaign versus, which it's crazy that in the little bit of time that he's even pretended to vote uh, to run, he's given out a more cogent policy platform than Biden. And that's sad. That's sad. His press, his press team has been able to put out his majority points on uh, the vast majority of, 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 of um, topics in America before Biden has coherently come up with any points that he can stand on. Which well, is sad. To be free, them niggas just started and they're not really doing anything. But <laughs> you can bro, just Google You can Google Kanye West's campaign it out the next day. and you can know what he stands for. You can't do that to Biden. That's the part that I'm fucking like in awe of. Like, this guy Biden is so fucking bad that even a fucking, uh, 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 I don't know if he's washed up, but a hip-hop producer could fucking come out of nowhere, decide to run, and more coherently say where he stands in two and a half weeks than Biden has since he started running his campaign. That's sad. Like, let's all be honest. We all know what Kanye West is about. I'm not saying I agree with what he's about in terms of that whole Harriet Tubman bullshit. But in terms of his stated campaign policies, 
I'm actually on the side of a lot of what he's talking about. Like he's talking about some substantial things like prison reform and reforming our medical system and a lot of things that are really important dealing with 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 inner city uh with inner city issues and woes and why you can't just apply blanket federal fucking uh like reforms to all parts of America because we don't live in a homogenous society. Not every city is the same. It doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? And so he's talking about some things that genuinely might be positive, more so than I would say either of the candidates, the other two candidates. Yeah, but he's not it's not real though. It's not real. And that's true. <laughs> and that's the that's the end all beat all, but it's not real. He can fake it better than the other two. I guess. He's because he has a lot, he's not as in, anywhere near as invested as the other two. Yeah, so no, he doesn't really. need to go to the same level in order to... I knew it was a joke his when his campaign rally had terrible audio. I knew it was a joke when Kanye West said he was running right? for president. The fuck? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. But yeah, that's where our politics are Yo, at. this is why we're not allowed to go anywhere else in the world, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why, this is, this is why we're fucking like... quarantined around. Talk about some build a wall to fucking keep Mexico out, bitch. Everybody's trying to build a wall to keep America out. Well done. Keep Americans inside of America so that they can just fucking keep shipping us shit to consume. Man, y'all need to keep this shit together for a little while longer, man. I'm off yeah, I mean, hopefully, like, come on. It's gotten so bad. This has got to be close to the end, right? I don't give a fuck. Like, shit's got to be crumbled. I just need... The, I don't care when it ends. I just want it to end before I leave. You feel me? Or after I leave, not before. Oh, yeah. You feel me? Now, I'm trying to get it fucking... to end before that. Man, I got to see, bro. I, I mean, the I difference that, is... That that's wonderful. You can see it, but, like, it's not going to be as chill as you think it is. You feel no, me? No, no, no. It's I not going to be anywhere near as chill. at all. What are you talking about? It's I, not going to... I fully understand I what I personally like don't think it's going to be worth it to be in it while it's happening. That's just my personal opinion, though. But I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel the opposite because I have a child and I would rather be in it than have him be in it. I'd rather him see the the fruits of me being in it. And I guess that's why it's important to have a mix of people who have a stake in seeing the future, the the changed mixed in with people who don't have a stake in the current, because the people who are going to actually put their feet on the ground to change are the people who aren't like who don't have kids you know what i mean they're going to be the ones who have the freedom to go out and do a lot of the shit that is required to be done whereas the people who most want to see the change happen now are the ones who are trying to see it change before their children grow into it and so it, it's in, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a shitty dynamic. I know, you know what I mean? But that's why community is so important. If you're ever going to see revolution, because you need both of these factors working in tandem to get motive, you know what I mean? Mobile mobilization to happen. You need the people who want to see the future better now. And you need the people who aren't tied to the present, but Hey, I guess, you know, we're bringing that together here now and <laughs> with the production of this show, but yeah, guess i'll wrap on that hope you guys appreciated it hope you had a good time listening to me uh go through the topics i'm gonna leave you with these words oh actually no follow us on the socials can't forget that we're back on the socials instagram (laughs) heron's home podcast rico underscore g sound and yeah i'll leave you with these words time is only wasted if you choose to waste it so learn from your mistakes it's the only thing you ever truly do learn from have a great one guys thanks for joining us take it easy